should modify like Filipino recipes. Like yeah. True Love Tinola. Oh, love it. Or Sining Sinigang for art and creativity. <laughs> so the symbolism, it's, the symbolism of becoming a god is... It's bariatric surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it covers the origin of the underworld. Mm-hmm. But it also really is a story of when men became mortal. When mm-hmm. death started to mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. The title of this should be My Eyes Are Up Here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want to hear about a god that has like a lot of boobs? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then that's that'll be their hook. And then by the time they're hooked, they're like, oh my god, I'm into Philippine mythology now. That's so cool. <laughs> Gods Must Be Crazy podcast. I'm Ice. I'm Anima. And we're your hosts. The Gods Must Be Crazy is a podcast on Philippine mythology and yes, folklore. Yes. And this is the continuation of our Walang Kamatayan season. Walang Kamatayan <laughs> spooky episode. Our special mini season you know, on I did, death. I don't think we explained the dual meaning of Walang Kamatayan. Yeah, we just assume uh, that you guys would understand. Yeah. But walang kamatayan literally translates to no death, but it could also mean endless or never ending. And so, it's used in a lighthearted yeah. yeah. in a lighthearted mm. way, right? So if, like for example, if something has been overdone, mm. it's like ayong walang kamatayang I don't know, universal motion dancers. <laughs> I don't know, they were around a lot when I was growing up and it was not nice. Or like yeah. Walang kamatayang TikTok dances. Yeah, or, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like a, it's something like a Perino. little tongue in cheek or like just will not die. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yes. And today we're gonna cover. So I've been meaning to cover this, this being of death for a while. And when I kind of waded the waters. I waded the waters. I sunk deep into a deep, 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 deep dive and I had nice. to like bring myself back. Take up. a breather. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're covering Mebuyan. Mebuyan. Who is known as Psychopomp. Psychopomp. <laughs> Anima has had two cups of coffee. <laughs> and I'm having brownies. And she's having my brownies. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's known as the goddess of death or the chief of the underworld in Bagobo mythology. Mm. Now, where is the Bagobo tribe located? So we'll cover that in a bit. But naturally, I knew that once we waded into like these waters, it'll spring like a part two, part three, part whatever. So just for the purposes of today's topic, I decided to try to keep it a bit tighter. We'll mm-hmm. we'll get a bit into some side quests when we cover side related quest. beings and stories. Nice. But don't worry, there's going to be a special kind of deep, deep dive into the Bagobo 
Canon and Pantheon because Ooh. they have a very very. And we did we did Kapampangan Pantheon already. Yeah, yeah. So we and haven't done they before. have a really rich kind of mythos. Honestly, like they have this whole idea of like a sky world Ooh. and different levels and different gods and obviously. Given their location in you know the Mindanao area, so many mishmash of influences, right? Mm-hmm. From from Hindu Javanese to Moro, yeah. etc., etc. So we'll cover that later on, including like you know the culture itself of the Bagobo. For now, we'll keep that like a bit tighter. Mm-hmm. But I want to start with a quiz. A quiz. Actually. Wait, before we do our quiz, I wanted to do a little story first before okay. we dive deep into the myth. Just as a separate topic and a shout out okay. in terms of the quiz. So, right. So in terms of the quiz, in terms of a quiz. So while uh-huh. Brian, when he teaches, mm. he likes to do random quizzes also. Mm-hmm. Right. And he'll do like random quiz topics and things like that. But then sometimes things that are like of unrelated nature to the topic and the music. I, I think you really just have to keep kids engaged. Right. So one of the things was a symbol, a symbol, right? A symbol in music notation that he did a quiz on. And people didn't really know. And he's like, what does this particular notation mean? Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what the notation was. But someone remarked, he's like, oh, your necklace looks like a, a music notation. Uh-huh. And his necklace is a Ling Ling O, uh-huh. which is a Filipino. Oh, that's what you got me. Yes, yes, a Ling Ling O. But he has like a guy version of it, which has like horns on it. Okay. Because the circle one that we usually wear has is more the feminine. Uh-huh. Because it is the feminine in the mask. It's a, it's a vajayjay, mm-hmm. essentially. So he said, oh, so because my wife and her friend, they have a, she's really into like indigenous art, blah, blah, blah. She's Filipino. She's, and she's like into like these amulets and things <laughs> like that. She's like very witchy. And I was like, yes, I am. I am very, very witchy. And then the his student said, who asked, he's like, oh yeah, I know. I, I've been hearing about that. I've been listening to this podcast about these two Filipinos who are like <laughs> talking about mythology and folklore and spells and things like that and like and, and amulets exactly and then he said oh yeah you know my wife has a, a podcast <laughs> on that uh, he's like what topic is your is is the podcast you're listening to and then he said uh, she said the one i'm listening to now is is about aswang it's about like the monsters of this lady who cuts herself in half and and my husband said yeah i think that's it i think that's that's my wife's podcast and the girl is like no no it's not. and then she showed him and it's it is her podcast and then my my husband's like yeah that's my wife's podcast and she's like no way so to mr brian's student who is listening right now what's her name i don't know he didn't give me her name. Oh, wow. So, but shout out Hello. to if you are studying under Mr. Brian in La Salle School for the Arts in the electronic music program. Not to be confused out. with the La Salle University no, or not the La Salle, La Salle College University. of St. Benilde. Yeah, La Salle is non-secular. It was founded by a, a La Salian yeah. brother, but it's it's not religious at yeah. all. It's non-secular. Shout out to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and I hope you ace that quiz. <laughs> <laughs> and as I am going to ace this quiz... <laughs> Now I made it easier because I because all your quizzes are so hard for me. <laughs> I always give you easy quizzes and you always ace them, and I never ace any of your quizzes. Okay, I just said I made it easier. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. Uh, man. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right. Okay. Let me just move my thingy. Mm. All right. So this quiz is about the bagobo. I don't even know where they are. The We'll cover that. Don't okay. worry. That's why we're doing this topic today. But you said Mindanao, so I have a hint. Yeah, it's in Mindanao. Okay. Okay. First question. Okay. All right. 
the Bogobo believe in the existence of a sky realm. Yes. With true. multiple levels or dimensions of heaven. The question is, how many of these levels of heaven exist? Or how many heavens exist in their belief? Multiple choice. Okay. A, 3. B, 5. C, 7. Or D, 9. I'm going to go with 7. Because in general, that's... That's a lucky number. Could also be three. Three. I'm going to three. Eight, three. It's nine. Nine, like Dante. I, I was also very surprised. And they're also different anyway later. Yeah. Okay, so nine. And wow. Because it's nine, I have nine questions in this quiz. Oh, yay! <laughs> okay. Question two. It's going to be a bit harder. So if you get at least one of them right, I'll give you partial partial points. Partial points. Okay. Of the four key elements, so earth, fire, wind, water. Heart. <laughs> and heart. Captain Planet. There are deities of two of these elements whose names are forbidden to be uttered Ooh. by the lips of the Bagobo. So which elements fire are they? Earth. Swear? Yes. You got one of them right. So okay. fire, uh-huh. but also water. Also like no flooding and on? I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. It's about like which elements um, Do you not want torment to... us or something. Yeah, or cause suffering, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably. I wonder if the Bogobos have tsunamis and stuff. Hmm. Question three. What do the Bagobo call the demons or evil spirits that abound the earth and torment Mm-hmm. Or eat them. Eat them. A. Aswang. B. Yawa. C. Buso. Or Buso. I don't know how to pronounce it. D. Yama. Yawa. Like best in Yawa. You sure? Yes. Yes. It's a solid non term, remember? Mm hmm. So it's in Visayas. Oh, man. Yama. It's Buso. Ah! Buso. Yama sounds vaguely Hindu. It's, it is, actually. So there, the, it is a term that they have, but for something else. Okay. Question number four. I suck. You have like one point. One partial point. <laughs> I thought this was an easy quiz. I, well, uh, all our quizzes are like things we don't know about. Okay, so fine. It's understandable. Okay, question number four. Which of these symbols is closely associated with Mebuyan. Okay. A, the Bilao. Okay. Which is a winnowing basket, right? The winnowing basket which sells on like anthropology for 200 bucks or something. That's crazy. It's crazy. And even more expensive on Goop. Wow. It's a Bilao. <laughs> Guys, it's like 25 pesos. If, Not even. If that. If that, yeah. Okay. A, the Bilao. Okay. B, a mortar. Okay. C, a pestle. Okay. The a palayok or a clay pot. Just to be clear, the mortar is the bowl and the yeah, pestle yeah, yeah. is the thing. Yeah. For the listeners. I'm guessing I'm going for symbolism here. Mm-hmm. The bilao because it's a winnowing basket and it, it sure? separates the chief from the. Are you sure? Chief. Or it could also be like a boat a pestle because I grind you down. 
or cook you. It can be any, actually. So I'll go with pestle. The most brutal so one. So close. It's the, the mortar. mortar. Ay, 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 ay. You were mentioning Excuse me. feminine energy. Yes. So the mortar is shaped like a, you know. Like a vajayjay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh. Question number five. Mm-hmm. It can be multiple. Your peanut butter English? Options. Yeah. So Snickers. Mm. It's, it's, so Anna was eating my famous brownies. Mm-hmm. They have like hints of orange and peanut. It's really yummy. Let me know if you guys want the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's your bagobo brownies. <laughs> okay. May, may, may Snickers kasi sa bagobo. It's a, it's a modification of a recipe called Better Than a Boyfriend Brownie. I don't think so. It's like the Better Than Sex vodka. No, no. Is it Never Say Single Again vodka pasta? I didn't know that. Which I've never tried. There's a Marry Me Chicken. What? Yeah. We should Recipe. have like a thematic for Valentine's. We should have like a thematic party of all these sexually. <laughs> I'll make the vodka pasta, you make a brownie. And then Or we should modify like Filipino recipes like yeah. True Love Dinola. Oh love it. Or Sining Sinigang for art and creativity. <laughs> <laughs> or Asawahin mo akong adobo. <laughs> Or, or... Okay, back to the... Okay, we're, yeah. we're at question five pa lang. Guys. Guys, guys. Okay. <laughs> According to the Bagobo, which of the following occasions, and again, can be multiple answers, which mm-hmm. of the following occasions are occasions when killing is justified? Okay. A. Weddings. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> A. Human sacrifice. Obviously. Wait yeah. lang. Okay. B. Blood feuds. Huh. C. Private assassination of an undesirable individual at the hands of an agent acting under the commands of a datu. Okay. C. All of Deva. <laughs> slaughtering of women of a village when the men have all fallen in battle. Only one? No, it can be multiple. Okay. It could be I'll all say, of the above. I say all of the above. Correct! Yay! But that's kind of sad. You kill all the women in the village when all the men have fallen. As if women can't take care of themselves which they can it's a netflix show called godless <laughs> all the men that, did you see that one no i haven't so it was this is like would you totally be a filipino startup poor man's trademark the the all the but this is also the story of turning red so in godless they it was a mining town uh-huh. and then all the men were <laughs> in the mines except for uh, one old guy and one guy with like a broken leg because of the war mm-hmm. and then there was an explosion in the mine mm-hmm. and all the men died mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden all the women had to run the town okay. and they did well until nice. like Jeff Daniels came uh-huh. and tried to take over the town for the mining rights or whatever Ugh. but also this is the story of turning red where turning red her ancestor the red panda ancestor all the men were away in battle and bandits kept on trying to attack their home. That's so, why they, so yeah. she invoked the red panda spirit and that's why they were the okay. protectors of the land. Good job. Slaughtering all the women? Yeah. Sucks. Crazy. Alright. Question number six. Okay. What do you call the elite class of warriors in a Bakobo community who are known for having killed many men? Mm-hmm. They wear like so they wear like like red, deep red or maroon like vests and mm-hmm. the darker the color it means the more men you've killed. It's an open-ended. 
It's a very well-known term, actually. Hint. It um starts with the letter B. Barombado. <laughs> Batman. It, it sounds like, or it rhymes with the term you use for harvesting rice. Annie? Bayani! Close. Bagani? Yes. Bagani! Bagani or Magani. Okay, okay. Is I, that elite class of warriors. I wanted Tegan's second name to mm. be Isagani. Oh! Because it means fruitful harvest. Uh-huh. Tegan Isagani O'Reilly. Nice. And it has all the right vowels and all the... Yeah. Right? And all the nice um, consonants, the same N consonants. I wonder how many names are after like harvest because i remember i had a friend who was like chinese so his his chinese name literally translated to like a good harvest mm. but his parents were like so for his non-chinese name you were like yeah it's just use the same thing so his name was good yield his nickname was goody okay yeah that's fine okay question number seven okay Bagani. ask the chief of the dead or the goddess of the underworld what does mebuyan do to cause death or call back her people. So how does she, how does she call back the people? To a, death? Yeah. Okay. A. She shakes a mythical lemon tree or a mythical tree. B. She grinds rice in her mortar. Mm-hmm. C. She beckons to them from across a great black river. Or D. She asks her snake to cause an earthquake from underground. I say B. Because we talked about more than your final answer. Are you sure? Shakes the tree. Yes! Yay! Yay! So we'll talk a bit about how that came to be and what it means when she shakes the tree. Do we have lemons? Or is it a calamansi tree? I think this is, you know, Americans and and Dutch people like were the ones who transcribed a lot of these. It's mm. probably just a lime tree or something. No. I don't know. Kaimito tree. <laughs> Starfruit. Okay. <laughs> Last two questions. Eight. True or false? Okay. Mebuyan's form is said to be ugly because she is covered all over with nipples or breasts. This is to feed the souls of babies who have died so that they can grow strong enough for their journey to their final resting place in the sky world. Mm-hmm. True. Sure. Is it nipples or I'll eyes? I'll say it again. Not Hi. just babies. False, because it's not just babies. Is that true? False. So, so but it... I won't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading your face. I'm just So guessing. it's false, but not for that reason. Okay. So... Mebuyan's form is said to be ugly because she's covered all over with nipples or breasts to feed the souls of babies who've died true mm-hmm. so that they can grow strong enough for their journey to the final resting place in the sky world. That's false. They don't okay. go up to the sky. Where do they go? Under. So oh. there's a separate place in the underworld. For babies. Yes. For, for all souls. Oh, well, so who lives in the sky world? The gods. We'll cover that later. Okay, okay. okay. Or maybe it's linked to like what I was telling you before that like the af- the afterlife is not necessarily in the sky and only but in well, only but Hala lives in the sky. Well, for the Bagobo, it's both. Oh. Yeah. So question number nine, and that's why that's why I was like, there's so much to talk about with regard to Bagobo myth. But anyway, so question number nine: What is the purpose of the Pamalugu? Or Pamalugu. I guess, I think it's Pamalugu. 
which is a ceremonial bath that Mebuyan gives to the souls that arrive in her kingdom. Oh, she gives them a bath? Yes, in the, in the Does river. Does she cleanse them of So, okay. it's a multiple choice. Okay. A, to cleanse the souls of their sins. B, to remove the last traces of their mortality. C, to make them feel at home and never want to go back. D, to get rid of their earthly memories. I say D. Are you sure? That's my guess. Because <laughs> I remember the 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 soldier the soldier and death, right? Yeah. Like when the souls go into heaven, they forget their mm. earthly lives. It's a good guess, but it's actually C. Okay. So because ceremonial nice. washing is very important to the Bagobo. A lot mm-hmm. of their they have a lot of rituals that have to do with the actual Pamalugu. So they even do it while living, mm-hmm. where they give ceremonial baths. What if or I washes. don't know if I'm dying yet? It's like you guys, I'm gonna die. <laughs> so they so they're like they want them to feel at home and not because if they don't, they'll want to go back to yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah, it'll be they'll have like unfinished business. I didn't finish my bath. Yeah, there's a bonus question. Okay. It's also multiple choice. Okay. What is the name of Mebuyan's brother? So she has a brother. Okay. Is it A. Mandarangan? B. Lumabat? C. Pamulak Manobo? Or D. Tigyama? This is hard, that's why it's a bonus. C. It's B. Lumabat. And he plays a really interesting role later in the creation of the underworld and the afterlife mm. and stuff like that. So that's kind of like a teaser, really, just for you know what's coming. You got like a good number, correct? No. Like three or four out of ten. That's a flunk. That's like not even an F. No, suck. No, you did great. Good considering, thing I have brownies in Considering me. this quiz is literally, what is your like best Base guess level. of this thing that you have absolutely no I have no absolutely no about. idea of the Bagobo. I'm ashamed that I don't know enough about the Bagobo. I, I, I know their outfits. I have a fair idea of their yeah, outfits. Yeah, so I think the Bagobo are fairly well known amongst the Lumad groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the Lumad are basically a group they're kind of just a term that's used for a lot of the indigenous people, especially South Yeah, especially in the Mindanao yeah. um, island. The Tasadai, the fictional Tasadai, were near the Lumad people. Yeah. yeah, because the Lumad is basically just a group of of all these different tribes, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bilaan are part of it, mm-hmm. right? The Manobo are part of it, etc. And it varies on like the accounts. Like there were some very old accounts that counted the Bagobo as separate from the Manobo. Mm-hmm. A modern classification of them is that they're a big subgroup of the Manobo, mm-hmm. and it's probably just because you know these cultures get absorbed yeah. throughout the years. Yeah. But so imagine the Mindanao Island, giant island, a giant island in the south of the Philippines. There is a gulf at the bottom. Yes. And that's the Davao Gulf, mm-hmm. right? So the biggest city in Mindanao is Davao. It's it's right at the coast of what we call the Davao Gulf. And that's where Mount Apo, mm-hmm. which is... Um, highest peak. The highest peak in the Philippines. That's where it is. Mm-hmm. The Bagobo. Basically, their territory, it obviously fluctuated throughout the years. But it's always been from the coastline of the Davao Gulf mm-hmm. to 
Mount Apo itself. Oh, and that's why they have so much like mythology, mythology and beliefs that are linked with Mount Apo. We won't cover that today, yeah. but it's a whole kind of like mountain lore. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So I've never climbed Mount Apo. Have you climbed Mount Apo? No, I haven't. I haven't. Mm. So that's so. It, so you can imagine that visually, right? So yeah. think of the Mindanao Islands. There's like a little upside down U shape. It's the Gulf where Davao Pearl Farm is. Huh? I think that's where Davao Pearl Farm is. That nice resort from mm. the 80s. Mm. So, as I said, they're, today they're classified as one of the largest subgroups of the Manobo, mm-hmm. right? And I think you covered the Manobo tangentially. The, yeah, tangentially, yeah. 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 So they, the Tasadai were like theoretically spin-offs mm. of Manobo. They developed by themselves for 150 plus years yeah. and then they... I'm guessing that the Manobo really absorbed a lot of other tribes throughout the yeah. years. Probably just because the staying power yeah. is there. So, anyway, they comprise three subgroups, the Tagabawa, the Klata, and the Ubo. Mm-hmm. We won't go deep into those um, sub-classifications today. But what are just like defining characteristics, right? Just broadly. Mm-hmm. As you said... The visual kind of identification of the bagoba is very distinct. Yes, right. Yes. It, it come you. It brings to mind like very colorful woven fabrics. Yes. A lot of like metallic accessories yes. around their clothing. Right. There's a very very distinct visual identity, and that's because beadwork. Yeah, weaving yeah. and embroidery were such a big part of the culture. In a lot of these tribes, it's also very ceremonial as well. Gorgeous. Look at this. Yeah, and they're also, no- especially like even in the very early 1900s. 1904. Yeah, they were known for very intricate and artistic bronze work. Yeah. I did, I told you, right? I think I mentioned it before, like one of my art, art. I did art education for like two semesters. And uh, one of my, pe- one of my final papers was a, was a jewelry, Filipino jewelry. Mm. And a lot of it was Magobo jewelry. Oh, wow. Oh, so nice. Yes, yes, I remember. So, as a culture, they used to be nomadic, Mm. actually. And they would farm using the kaingin, or the slash and burn method. And because, as I said, their territory was like all the way to the Gulf and to the Mount Apo, there were sometimes like distinct subgroups that there would be like a coastal subgroup and there would be like a mountain mm-hmm. subgroup. But the interesting thing was the community was still close because they would gather to the same places together. And nice. so their ceremonies would be the same, their mythology would be the same, and their stories would, would be the same. Would they gather for like multiple times? Like if it's like a festival or yeah, something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice, They would, nice, they would nice. gather for the big festivals and yeah. they all like, you know, followed this like... Their main they probably chief, trade too, their right? main datu or okay. called the matanum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing that people observed when they went to, you know, record and observe the culture was that despite like outside influences, obviously there would be intermarriage, etc. They were able to retain a lot of their uh, nice. culture and, and their beliefs. So what else? Yeah. So eventually they became a bit, bit more agricultural. At some point, there was a fear that the culture would die out Mm -hmm. because, you know, they were moving quickly away from their mountain homes into more 
the Americans at the time during the occupation were hiring more workers to work the land. Uh-huh. You know, they developed Davao into this like I mean that's where the, the big hub. Yeah. the big fruit farms are and all of yeah. those things, right? So they started getting more workers mm-hmm. and that was depleting the population, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Um they have a complex social hierarchy. hierarchy. So we won't get into that today, but broadly you would have the chieftains or the datus called the matanum. Mm-hmm. And then you would have a council of elders comprised of like, you know, what we said earlier, the bagani or the magani, mm-hmm. which is the elite social, elite warriors. Is it kind of like because uh, the Hindu influence that there's like a, a warrior class? and then Probably. There's like a, Probably. Yeah. And then you have the mabalian. Which is the female shaman, yeah. similar to the Babaylan. Mm-hmm. And he had obviously the Alipin called Alang, the mm-hmm. slave class, right? Slave class. Slave class. Do they have like do they have like serfs? Like free men, but they didn't really have any particular jobs like farmers and stuff and I guess barbers. It, I guess eventually, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Bookkeeping. <laughs> Bookkeepers. <laughs> Coders, <laughs> project managers. Project. a shame. <laughs> I know it's an important job. The uh, supply planners, <laughs> but that's very very broad um, kind of overview of what the Bagobo people are. Okay. Um, later on, when we do um, a subsequent episode on like the whole pantheon of gods, etc., we can get into how does that affect like. You know their way of living, their yeah. beliefs. As I said earlier, they. I think have, I have like questions like, can they marry in or up or yeah. down? You know things like that. It's it's really. I think they were such a fascinating subject for a lot of foreign researchers at the time because you know they still practice ritual sacrifice. Nice. Then and you know one of the so I I, I got most of my information from two sources. One is a researcher called Laura Watson Benedict. She studied and lived with them for 14 months mm-hmm. um, in 1906 to 1907. So wow. very, very old account. And another one is this guy called Peter Jan Ratz, mm-hmm. who's a Dutch researcher. I think he just consolidated existing information versus going firsthand. But that's the information we have. So it's not comprehensive, but there's mm-hmm. a lot that they were able to gather over the years, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of interest, sorry, there was a lot of interest in the Bagob before because, you know, they had such a distinct culture and they still practiced ritual sacrifice. I think people were like, why would you do that? Like, Because and, it's fun. <laughs> and the observation was like, wow, I can't believe that they... Sacrifice people or Yeah, animals? people, people. Okay, okay, okay. They would sacrifice animals or people at the same, like in the same altar where you would sacrifice or you would offer food from the harvest and stuff like that. So that was such a point of fascination yeah. um, for them, especially during the American op- occupation when yeah, they were man. trying to kind of like, you know, justify their colonialism. Modernism. Yeah. Whatever. The Vikings did it all the time. That is true. They did. That is true. So we talked about the Bagabo people, yes. where they're from, yes. broadly, like what they're known for. I'll give a very, very quick like run through of like how they worshipped, etc. Mm-hmm. They had the at least the recordings that that, that were made in like the nineteen tens mm-hmm. and and nineteen yeah, the nineteen tens. 
They were able to record a lot of gods to the point that like the. Did you say they were able to record a lot of goss? Gods. <laughs> Not like goss, really. Gossip. <laughs> to the point that the that the scholar here, so Benedict, classified them under nice. like two subgroups, right? So. They observed, like, all of the, you know, obviously they observed the different social classifications. They observed that they had, so aside from the, aside from the chieftain or the datu or the matanum, they had the magani, which is the, you know, highest social class of warriors. They had priest doctors who were, you know, knowledgeable in the art of healing. They used both, like, ceremonial magic as well as herbs etc mm-hmm. and they had they observed the chief priestesses so like the balians and stuff mm-hmm. like that who led harvest ceremonies yes. and paganitos or maganitos yes. and seances and they observed that there were both male and female yes priests mm-hmm. right um they also observed mediums mm-hmm. who were mainly like helping um, deliver messages between unseen beings. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was really different from the Balians, but, no, but like, it was classified differently. Remember here. in the Balian, in the mm-hmm. Babaylan, it seems like as if there are... I don't know. I, I, sometimes I think the Babaylan is more of like a generalist, mm-hmm. a business generalist. Mm-hmm. So like in a bigger city or in a That's bigger true. organization... There will be specialists yeah. who have like the herbology track, yeah. who has the Actually, medium track, true. right? So because it does say here that the mediums, as it they're called here, aside from like helping like transmit and deliver messages from probably the anitos, right? They were also the ones who led the ritual cleansing, the pamalagu. Oh, for we death. Talked, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Earlier, and it said that if if what is this? Ah, okay. It also said that like the worship of the gods. So this is interesting because they had fixed altars, mm-hmm. obviously in the communities, yeah, um, and they also had temporary shrines. But there Ooh. were also altars within the house. Okay, okay. And there, that's what they would put like fruits of the field or mm-hmm. manufactured products or even slain slain victims when it okay. came to human sacrifices. That's gonna be an interesting episode. By the so way. they have like the main branch and then they have pop ups. <laughs> So this is the interesting thing. They would also, they could also, there were also mobile altars. Mobile, so basically, yeah, yeah. like if you were traveling and you needed to do devotions, you could set up. It's like your mo- own mini shrine. It's like it's like two things, right? Mm. It's like in some countries, if you had like a school sports fest, you can call Nestle and they will bring a Milo. Yeah, the Milo. They'll bring, uh, they'll bring a, a chocolate Milo truck. To your school, That's so and good. it would be the best Milo you've ever had That's in your life. Because they put condensed milk. Because they put condensed milk in it, and they don't do it, and you can never replicate it in you your can't. own house. I was. I remember being so frustrated because obviously I ordered Milo in like a hawker or a kopitiam, and it's so good, right? And it was so good, and I bought the Malaysian Milo, I bought the Indonesian Milo, Milo, I bought the Indi- the Australian Milo, and I was like, they're not. What's wrong with me? Why can't I it's condensed milk? Yeah, that's condensed milk. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> wait, and I have another example that's similar okay. to that. The Molly Bus. Have you heard of the Molly Bus? So Singapore has a really good library system, right? If ah, they want to yes. get yeah, they want to get kids started Tegan. reading. So so yeah. the Molly Bus went to Tegan's school. It's a mobile library, and then they all go inside, and it's a mini library inside. And the Molly Bus has eyes, and it's like a person. And so Tegan was like, I really liked it when the Molly Bus came. My big problem now is. I tell her I need to return the books. 
And she's like, no, the Molly Boss gave it to me. Oh. I said, <laughs> and I said, no, no, that's not what libraries are. Libraries, you have to return the books. She's like, no, but they're mine. She's like, no, it's a gift. I can get it for free. Yeah, from Molly Boss. <laughs> All right. So they can also, so they can set up these like mobile Pop-ups. altars, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like the so whether family. they're whether they're in the forest or the mountains, whatever. So usually they set down an areca nut or a betel leaf. Yes. And that's where they say their prayers. And that's, it reminds me of, you know, around Malaysia and even here, yeah. some workers when they're working on the side of the road, right? Yeah. They would set up, like they put marigolds or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So similar practice mobile um, I like was that. observed. So there's this TV show before. It's called The Highlander. Mm. They're remaking it with Henry Cavill. I've watched this. It's fantastic. They were like, oh, Henry Cavill's finally free of The Witcher. I know. We better use him. I know. So he's going to do that. And one of the rules in The Highlander is like they they fight is that they take each other's heads off, right? And one of the rules is you can't do it on sacred sacred ground of any religion. So they don't do it in churches. They don't do it in graveyards. And sometimes they'll parley in, in these sacred spaces. Okay. If it's a mobile sacred space and you're like a crafty and uh, Weasley Highlander, are you gonna be like, oh, no, no, there's a marigold here. I can't, you can't, you can't cut my head off. You can, you know, you can yeah. set up an intricate maze and only you know how. Yes. And that's how you defeat the guy. Exactly. That's actually pretty smart. Okay, let's move on because okay, we're never gonna cover anything. I know. <laughs> I have to. I'm super tangent. Where was I? You were, there were mobile altars and they would put marigolds there. Okay. Yes. So, with regard to the gods, Laura Watson Benedict did a very rough classification. So, very simplistic. The first is, there are two main subgroups. The first is, gods of exalted rank, who mm-hmm. felt who were felt to be remote from human affairs. Yes. And to, for from whom neither help nor harm is looked for. Oh. So, they don't offer devotions. Yeah, they don't yeah, yeah. really pray to these gods. Yeah. But these are the mythical gods. Yeah, yeah. Who like made the earth. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, the, yeah. these are the gods who exist in the nine heavens yes. that okay, we okay. talked about. Now, different from them are the divine beings that actually are related to normal... Middle management. Head- yeah, yeah, middle management. <laughs> normal everyday affairs. Yeah. So we worship them for a good harvest, for a good yeah. hunt, for yeah. a good travel, etc. And stuff like that. So they're the ones that have like the different shrines set up for them. So that's the main classification. In this... Ooh, the higher gods just said. <laughs> are you talking about us? Are you talking smack about the what higher gods? What are you talking about? <laughs> now, within the second subgroup, that's where the buso mm-hmm. or buso... I'm going to need to figure out the pronunciation of this one. Our I think it's buso because bagobo buso. doesn't, as a word, they don't have the impet. Buso. Buso. Mm. I don't know. I think when in doubt, I'm I guessing. try to go with the, like mm. a, a similar kapampangan pronunciation. Yeah. Just because yeah. I know we have a lot of Javanese yeah. common roots. Yeah. But Maybe. anyway. So the buso are not necessarily worshipped. Mm-hmm. But they also get a lot of offerings. And okay. they have mini shrines themselves. Because the point there is to appease them so that they don't harm you. So for example, if someone's sick, yeah. that's because you did something wrong in the ritual. Mm-hmm. Or you insulted a buso or something. Mm-hmm. So you have to like make an offering or mm-hmm. whatever. So that's kind of the thinking. And there's multiple classifications. That even the chanak is part of it. So mm. we'll cover that in a okay. separate kind of discussion. 
So for the purposes of the discussion today, I want to cover obviously Mebuyen, mm-hmm. but we'll also have a side discussion about Tuglibong. Okay, who, the brother? No. No. Who one of the scholar who Tuglibong is like the primeval woman. <gasps> I love it. Like the first woman in some of the myths. Ooh. Where they're kind of like co-creators with the supreme creator. Okay, okay. They had a collab. Yeah. But I think it's important to kind of cover a bit of her story because you then understand the significance of Mebuyan and her symbolism. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously when we once we talk about Mebuyan, we'll cover her brother Lumabat. Okay. So, let's see how we deep we go here. So, let's talk about the mythical first woman called Tuglibong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here is different versions of the creation of the world and the origin of, of, of the world of the Bagobos, right? So, in the beginning, the Diwata made the sea and land. So, they call the supreme being here in this story Diwata. Okay. So there's already that borrowed word. But it's yeah. Diwata capital D. So it's kind okay. of like the main the creator. Main girl, yeah. Right? So he took two lumps oh, of... He. Okay. Yeah. Or she. I, I guess we say Sha. Yeah. So we don't know, right? They. They took two lumps of earth and shaped them like human beings. Mm-hmm. And then they spat on them. <laughs> Thank you for the sound effects. <laughs> and... These became the man and the woman. So the man was called Tuglai mm-hmm. and the woman was called Tuglibong. Okay. Now the English translation here says old man and old woman. Mm-hmm. But pro- probably it means like, you know. First. Yeah, the first man or the yeah. first woman, right? So they were married and they lived together and Tuglai, the man, made a great house. He planted seeds that the Diwata gave to him. Part two of it is... And in and, and this one, the old woman is called Mona instead. And mm-hmm. Mona is an interesting word because it also became the term for mythical beings, which is the Ooh. men, like the, the, the men who lived on earth before they became mortal. Ooh. So that becomes important later. Okay. So anyway, so long ago, the sun, the sky hung low on Mother the earth. earth. Right? So, Mona, the first woman, or the old woman, scolded the sky. It's too hot, sky! No, it's not even that. It's like, I can't do my work. Like, you're too near me. And I need to pound the rice. And I can't pound the rice. Oh, it's like that story that I said. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you need to go up. You need to go up. So, the sky moved up higher. Um, Did she hang her comb and her stars? No, that's a different... That's, that's a, different a manobo tale, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the sky hung so low that the families of, you know, the first peoples called the Mona were actually living in the world. But they, the, because the sky hung so low, they couldn't do their work properly. So mm. when they would pound the rice, they would have to kneel on the earth. Oh, no. And they couldn't even fully live on the earth and yeah, maximize, yeah. you know, the resources and whatever that existed. Yeah. So the woman called the Glibong just kept like scolding the sky like, Go higher up, go higher up. We're still, uh-huh. we're working, we're working, and so the sky became began to move upwards, and then they were they were using their mortar and pestle. So for just for people who aren't super familiar, think of the mortar and pestle that you use in the kitchen and make that maybe a hundred times bigger. Mm-hmm. So there would be a, a large basin called the mortar. Yeah. You'd have a very tall wooden pestle, and then like a group of people would like pound, 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 pound. And yeah, and the rice that you would harvest, obviously, is still in its husk. husk. 
little tiny husks, so you would need to pound them to separate and, and free them. I still the, remember the doing rice. that as a kid. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then you would have to use the bilao yeah. to put the the rice that has been pounded there. Lift it up to the wind you, you so that the wind um, blows away the husk. Yeah, exactly. Try not to stay downwind. And so the husk does not get in your eye. Exactly. <laughs> so the woman was like, so they were, so they were trying and trying to like make their rice, but they couldn't. So eventually, the woman got fed up and was like, "You move up higher." Mm-hmm. And this guy moved up a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And then they were pounding the rice. They still couldn't get the full motion because you need uh, like more force, yes. right? So this guy, she scolded this guy again, and this mm-hmm. guy moved up higher. She kept scolding this guy until eventually the sky was five fathoms high. And the woman was still not satisfied because what? it was like, it was still like, they were... Was she a giant? Hmm? Was she a giant? Maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. So eventually, the one kept scolding this guy and this guy got so fed up that it moved very, very, very high. All the way. To the yeah. point that they couldn't reach this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. In some versions of the story, the they emphasize the fact that the sky hung low and the sun was so near to the earth. Okay. So that the Mona, the people, had to dig a deep hole under the ground and that's where they lived. Oh. Because they like needed mole people. <laughs> because they needed to um shade themselves from the heat of mm-hmm. the sun. And it was only when the sky moved up moved up higher from the earth that they could actually live and have babies and increase oh, their population maybe that's the problem in singapore maybe it's too hot <laughs> so for me the the super interesting thing in this story and i think the the very interesting perspective is you know how in a lot of stories there's a great flood and mm-hmm. whatever and Basically, the point, and, and, and a lot of the fierce gods or war gods or thunder gods and stuff like that is because in those cultures, the the kind of, the Disasters. natural disaster or the natural entity that could influence how well you lived your life mm-hmm. really was water, right? Do we mm-hmm. have enough water or is there too much water? Yeah. If there's a yeah. flood, you can kill people and stuff like that. For me, it's so interesting that here, it's actually the sky and the sun that seems to have, like, represent some sort of animosity to the people. Like, it's the one that's getting in the way of us living a decent life, being able to increase our population and stuff like that. And that's why, if you think about it, heaven or paradise does not necessarily exist up Up there. there. It could yeah. But it's perfectly reasonable as well that it exists below the ground where we're safe from the heat of the scorching exactly. sun. Exactly. Yeah. And I realize it's because Davao, that area, they mm. don't they don't have a lot of typhoons because typhoons mm. sweep. You know, the Philippines is like. A Do gla- they really not? No, no. They sweep up through Visayas, then yeah. they go up. Katanduanes. Katanduanes. They always hit Katanduanes. Yeah, and they and they so the region. east, east, west, east. So the east is always the ones hit, the east side and the middle, Visayas, and mm. then it goes up north. Mm. And then, so Manila is almost always hit also tangentially. Yeah. But the south and the western Visayas area is mm. rarely hit by the big typhoons. If anything, western Visayas will usually be hit by like earthquakes, tsunamis, and things like that. Mm. But the south, that's why, that's why all the big farming conglomerates mm. farm in Mindanao. Dole is there, Del Monte is there. Because 
the weather is very stable mm. and they don't have storms. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so 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 that's kind of their belief of the origin of the Earth, right? And I think just briefly on the names, right? Mm. So Tuglai, if you think about it, the root Lai mm-hmm. is a common word throughout the Malay archipelago that means man. Oh. So similar to Laki, uh-huh, uh-huh. like Lalaki, mm-hmm. Lai. And in they say that in that language, Tuglibong therefore probably means woman. Mm-hmm. Because Libon in Visayan actually means virgin. What? Yeah. Okay. Right. Libon. It could also mean an enclosure. So in Marai, it could also mean an enclosure or something without entrance or exit. Okay. <laughs> so that's why Tuglibon could mean. So if Tuglai is man, then Tuglibon must mean the woman, mm-hmm. right? So just the important things that I want to get from this story are number one, the the sky doesn't necessarily mean heaven, or even if it's heaven, it doesn't represent like comfort or paradise necessarily, right? The idea that like the sun is like this antagonistic force, it's getting in the way of us like having a good life. Mm-hmm. I find kind of interesting because usually yeah. the sun is like a benevolent like yeah. creature and you know the giver of life the giver of life and yeah. stuff like that. Here even if so for example you could argue that like fire in this case because they were made from clay you know might help bring life but it also represents like death or suffering in a way mm-hmm. if you think about it right? And and I find especially that part where they said they dug holes in the ground where they could live because they had to escape from the heat. The heat. It just like is such a strong symbolism for why Mebuyan Mebuyan, sorry, who is the chief of the underworld, is representative of death, but she's also one of the main gods of fertility. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of interesting dynamic of both death and life being mm-hmm. intertwined and represented yeah. by the same thing. Yeah. Right. So we'll stop there with regard to uh, to Glebon because there's a lot of other tangent tangents we can end up going to. I think the the interesting the only other interesting kind of motif that I that I want to highlight here, which was brought up by the the scholar Peter Jan Ratz is in a lot of the rituals as well as the myths, there was this emphasis emphasis on like repeated striking. Oh, like in with the... the mortar and the pestle. Yeah. Because even they said even if you observe some of the ritual dances and the music, that that was like an action or a yes. theme that kept occurring. Yeah. And he was like, Is there something as well about this repeated scolding of the sky? Oh. Because obviously that's a shortened version of the story, but with the way that it's probably told orally, it was like, oh, she scolded this guy, the sky went up, they tried yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it, and then they scolded this guy again, etc. So it was something about how a quarrel or an argument could lead to the creation of something. Ah. And he also recalled some specific other um, mythologies of nearby um provinces where the destruction of something led to the creation of something else Mm. so that was interesting so this story is about the quarrel between lumabat and mebuyan okay okay 
brothers and sisters. This is what happened when brothers and sisters fight. Okay. So, long ago, Lumabat and Mabuyan were part of the old mythical beings. So, mm-hmm. the Mona, right? And during that time, no one really died. Everyone was just around. Because they're like immortals. Yeah, everyone just hung around. There was like no death. And one day they were discussing like, oh, where should we go? Mm -hmm. Right? They were, I guess they were like, they wanted to retire from the earth or something. I guess. And they were deciding to go somewhere. Lumabat wanted to go to the sky. Uh He wanted to go to the heaven because he heard that, you know, that's where paradise is. That's where all the diwatas or their gods Uh live. And he, he heard that. You know, no one ever goes hungry there. Oh. But it's interesting why they don't go hungry. So okay. we'll, we'll cover that later. And so he said to his sister, Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go come, there. come with me to heaven. It's like, it's like you and me. Let's go to this yard yeah, sale. Let's go, let's go to the yard sale. <laughs> and, Lum- and Lumabat's sister, she had, didn't have a name at this time. She was just called Tubeka Lumabat, which is sister, sister of Lumabat. Lumabat. Yeah. And she said, No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to heaven. Yeah. It's not fun. And so they began to fight. Of course. And um, it doesn't... The the version I have here does not detail what happened in the fight or whatever. But it seems like Lumaba's sister won. Okay, good. Because soon, she sat on a big rice mortar. And mm-hmm. she said to Lumabat, I'm going down to the earth, below the earth, down to Gimokudan. Uh-huh. And there, I shall begin to shake the lemon tree. Uh-huh. Whenever I shake it, someone on earth will die. <gasps> if the fruit that is shaken down is ripe, then mm. an old person will die. Okay. But if the fruit is a green fruit, so mm. not ripe, not hinog, then the one who will die will be young. Uh-huh. And she took a bowl that was filled with the, like the pounded rice already. She poured it into the mortar as a sign that people should die and go to Gumakudan. So because she won, almost all the souls that die go down to oh. the underworld instead of to the upper world. Okay, okay. So th- that's the interesting thing about this mythos is that there, there's no real like, what's this value judgment yeah, between going above or, ground or, yeah, above, yeah. or below ground. It's really just your choice. Yeah. But because Lumabat's sister won, quote-unquote, their quarrel, most she got most of the souls nice. to fill Gimokudan. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the interesting image. So the mortar then began to turn. <gasps> while she was in the mortar, it turned round and round and round and round while she was sitting upon it. And as it was revolving, it began to sink Ooh, into like a drill. the earth. Oh yes, like a drill. So mm-hmm. she started to sink into the earth, into the underworld. And as it began to disappear into the ground, the woman grabbed handfuls of the pounded rice that she had in her mortar and she spread it onto the earth. And she said, I let fall this rice and this makes many people die dropping down like grains of rice. So as she went down, she took down people with her. Nice. And that's her symbolism with throwing the rice to the ground. And thus hundreds of people go down but none go to heaven. Oh. To the above ground. So the mortal kept turning and kept going lower and then finally it disappeared into the ground with Lumabat's sister sitting down on it. And since then, she became known as Mebuyan. Mm-hmm. That's when she got Does her Mibuyan name. Does Mebuyan mean anything? I don't, 
unfortunately, I don't know the etymology. It doesn't say in the stories for mm-hmm. some reason. If I find it, I'll share it with you. I like the visual of like scattering the rice. Yeah, that was. She's of... so dramatic. I know. I She's like, that. first, let me sit in this mortar, and then I'm gonna pour the rice here. With me. And I'm gonna bring all the people. I'm gonna spring. All the dead And then people. before I disappear. It's like a sprinkler. It's like a rice sprinkler. <laughs> but I like I like it because when we were kids, we used to go to Batangas and my grandmother had chickens, a mm-hmm. lot of chickens. And so we would feed it mostly corn, oh, but sometimes rice. I love chickens. Right? It's so fun. Did you say anything when you would scatter the, the corn? Because we would go, Brokia! <laughs> and then I would you would just like we would make and then usually the younger kids would uh-huh. scatter the rice so my perfect cousin would like she's much younger than me she would scatter the rice and our job was to get the uh, this, not the rice the corn and mm. we get the corn we would take it into our skirts uh-huh. like take it out of the cob uh-huh. and then just give her the corn and then it's one of the first words you learn as a child a uh-huh. toddler <laughs> So with our chickens, kasi, so we 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 had a little feeder. Oh, so we okay. would put it on the feeder. Like That's you would cute. scatter some, but you yeah, put yeah, it on yeah. the feeder. And then, especially because my grandpa used to raise fighting cocks, Ooh. so they were very spoiled. So there yes, was like a different food. There's a special mix. So yes. like a couple of grains, and then I don't know supplements or whatever. And we would soak them in water so yes. they'd be softer to eat. Yes. They really had a nice life. They did have a nice life. Yeah. When those fighting cocks travel, mm-hmm. they have their own hotel rooms. <laughs> and so when you used to... when We used to, we should bring back pet chickens. We should. Thing. You anyway. can have them in Singapore. But in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the Philippines, when you used to travel domestically, mm-hmm. um, because the cockfights are all over the country, mm-hmm. in specific like uh, stadiums, mm-hmm. you would have to... Um, be in the airport probably early in the morning if you're just gonna go to Davao, let's say, for the day. And in the early morning, you would hear the chickens <laughs> talk like a in, in the airport and we're like, what is happening? I love that so much. But only in domestic airports. Okay. No international traveling chickens. So, Mibuyan then became the chief of a town called Banua Mibuyan. Is it an underground town? Yeah. Oh. So, so it kind of is at the entrance to the underworld. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there so the the entire underworld, the main kind of place where souls go is called Gimokudan. Gimokudan. And then Mebuyan is like lord or goddess of that, that mm-hmm. realm, mm-hmm. but she is specifically the chief of this village called Banwa Mebuyan. Okay. In the underworld. Why is and there a there, town? So Yes, there's a specific reason. Yeah. So it is in that town that she takes care of the dead babies because oh, it's a baby town. Because they're not ready to travel to Gimokudan. Because mm. apparently, when souls go into the underworld, they have to make a journey. Yeah. Into Gimokudan. So, if if their babies obviously they're very young, they're not yet developed. So she gives them milk from her breasts. From her many breasts. And so that's why, I don't know if this is the actual language that's used with the Bagobo, but they say that Mebuyan is ugly to look at, quote-unquote, because her whole body is covered with nipples or breasts. Yeah. And all the nursing children who still want milk or need milk go directly when they die to her village Aww. of Banwa Mebuyan 
instead of gimukudan. Mm-hmm. And there they remain with her until they stop taking milk from her breast. So they get old. So after they go to the other, they, get they continue old. age. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. So eventually, when they're old enough, they go to their own families in Kumukudan and there, there they can start... Because their families have already yes. gone there. And there okay, they can start okay. eating rice. Grobe. Yeah. Gumukudan is... Maybe that's the scattering rice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because in Gumukudan, they mainly eat rice and kids are not yet ready for that. So, until they're ready, <gasps> okay. she will feed them from her own many... Boobs. Many boobs. Booby boob. Yeah. So, all How this... How many boobs does she have? She has like hundreds. So, hundreds the image boobs. is basically her entire body is covered in boobs. Even her face? She has face boobs? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. We'll look at artist depictions. We'll look at artist depictions. Okay. So here's what happens. What if someone made? What if someone made like a clay, a clay receptacle of her, mm-hmm. representing representing her, but then the nipples like if you watering pour, can right like a watering can. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun to do that, right? Yeah. It's like our it's like our incantation pot idea. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. So, here's what happens when a person dies. Their spirits stop at Mebuyan's town uh-huh. on the way to Gimokudan. So Wait, sorry, question. Do they have the bath before they die? Here, here's what okay, it is. Okay. Here's what it is. So, so this is the journey. So, okay. let's say... I'm really old. Pedro. Okay. Pedro dies. He makes a stop at Mebuyan's town before going to Gimokudan. So, this is like pretty much like a metaphorical entrance. No, mm-hmm. an actual entrance-ish mm-hmm. to the underworld, right? Stop at my boy's town and there they wash all their joints. So there's a black river mm-hmm. that runs through the town. Mm-hmm. And there they wash their joints and they wash the tops of their heads as well. This bathing or pamalugo is for the purpose of making the spirits feel at home mm-hmm. so that they will not turn away and go back to their own mm-hmm. bodies. Because if a spirit could return to its own body, then the body would get up and be alive again. A zombie body. Yeah. So, now that we've covered the origin of the underworld, what happened to Lumabat? Yeah, because what remember, happened to the brother? He went up to the He Star went up, world. right? Yeah. So, Lumabat... Super moody ng kulog. I know. So, Lumabat and his sister fought, right? Yeah. And he was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna go to the sky. I'm never coming back. <laughs> So he started first the Sky Country and he invited people to go with him, right? So mm-hmm. almost all the people obviously went with Mebuyan mm-hmm. to the underworld. But some people did go with him into the Sky Country. Did they go through Mount Apo because it's the highest peak? You know, it doesn't say here, but that's a that's a good right? assumption, yeah, to make. So a lot of his brothers and sisters went with him, but the journey, they didn't realize that the journey was gonna be so perilous. Mm-hmm. So as he went through the journey, Right? So they passed through the sea. As they passed the sea, there was a large rock that was there. And the rock spoke to them. And the rock said, where are you going? Right? Where are you going? And, in, in, and at the time, all of them could understand the rocks, the trees, yes. etc. Right? And one of the guys who was with Lumabat said, oh, we're going to the sky country. Mm-hmm. But the moment he said that, he turned into a rock. <gasps> oh, no. Still, the they rest continue. of the party continued on. Yeah. Right? Now, as they were like passing through like a forest, 
one of the trees started talking to them. The tree, asked, the tree asked, like, where are you going? And one of the girls said, oh, we're going to the sky. And she turned, turned into, into a tree. tree. Right? So Shut up, people. Don't talk to strangers. I mean, observational skills. So anyway, <laughs> so all along their journey, if anyone answered to a tree or a stone or a rock, then according to the nature of their object, they would turn into that. That's so scary. Right? So by the time that they reached the border of the sky like they were nearing the end like uh, like a good number of them had had disappeared they were left behind right so they reached the very end of the sky as far as the horizon but then they had to stop because something weird's going on is it because the earth was flat <laughs> here's what is happening the horizon so imagine where the sky and the sea and the earth meet the horizon see the line, line. the sky needs to see. It calls me, sir. <laughs> the horizon kept opening up its maw like a jaw. It was a fish. So it kept going up and down and closing together. And it, it's, it's kind of like a jaw of an animal. And, you know, people were like, they, when they arrived, they were like, oh my God, what's going on That's there? Creepy. Right? Now, what's this? So they were like, okay, we'll, we'll have to jump. Like, we're going to have to jump and have to make it through, right? Into the sky from mm-hmm. the earth. So they jumped. Um, and each time they jumped, um, they got caught in the jaws of the horizon. And they oh. got cut into pieces. Oh, no! And so, so one of them jumped. He got caught in the maw. He got cut into pieces. And the pieces became grains of sand oh. on the earth. And one after another, people kept jumping. This the is problem such a visual is, adventure. The problem is, they didn't know what happened to the person before them. So as far as they were concerned... Oh, they couldn't see they that couldn't people see. They were didn't like... They couldn't see, they didn't know. Okay, okay. So as far as... They, they didn't know there was like a timing. Yeah, and there's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just like, oh, they would just have to make it like past it, whatever. And they didn't know that there was no one left behind. So to the point that like, at the end... Only Lumabat was able to jump quicker than the rest of them and not get caught in the jaws of the horizon. So here's the interesting thing, right? Because remember, the underworld is where Mebuyan is, right? In Gimokudan. In that's me. That's him. That's her (laughs) son. Yep, that's me. So when Lumabat landed in heaven or in the sky... With air quotes. He passed by a lot of like spirits and people and whatever and he saw a town where the bad the spirits of bad people what are bad people like people who committed sins or dishonored themselves or whatever and this town was called kilot 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 k-i-l-u-t kilot and that's where he saw them being punished Like in Dante's Inferno. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were being punished with flames. So there were spirits with heavy sins. And they were set in flame. Like major, major... Totally in flame. Yeah. Yeah, because the sky is hot. The sun is hot. And then spirits with little sins Mm -hmm. were not in flame. However, their bodies were covered with sores in an acid that stings like the juice of a lemon. Ew, that's low-key annoying. So for me, this is interesting because 
why is the town with bad spirits in the sky world in the sky because it's hot and they're being punished with heat yes. so there we go again with the theme of like the heat being the punishing force mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Lumava kept traveling on he you know went past all of these um, and he finally reached the house of Diwat ang capital D so the main god grabe yung sky sound know, effects the sky, the sky gods are saying like yeah if you guys don't be careful we'll also squeeze lemon into your <laughs> into your source into your, your source he eventually like went past all the evil spirits and whatnot, and he reached the house of the the diwata like mm. diwata capital D basically the gods right mm-hmm. again diwata here is used as a loose term for like yeah. the major gods at yeah. that time um and he saw that many of them were chewing betel nut because it's a common social practice at mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. And one diwata spat the ise, the yeah. betel nut, from, from his mouth after he finished chewing it to, towards Lumava's direction. And Lumava felt threatened because it looked sharp. It looked to him like it was a sharp knife. So he thought he, thought he was being threatened. And so one of the diwatas like, pulled him back and said, no, 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 you're not being threatened. Mm-hmm. And he took the ise or the spat Battle, and he rub it on Lumabat's belly, mm-hmm. and then with one downward stroke, he opened Lumabat's belly and took out Lumabat's betuka or intestine. What? And that's how Lumabat became a god. What? <laughs> because remember, one of the chief characteristics of gods is they they're never hungry. Yeah. Oh, and so that's, that's why because they don't have intestines. So the symbolism, it's, the symbolism of becoming a god is, is bariatric surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gastric bypass. Oh I'm just kidding. My god. No, basically, I guess, I guess, starvation and famine was a major kind yeah, of cause of hardship. Yeah. So for them, paradise is I never need. I never have to be hungry to again. worry about food ever yeah. again. So it's that's a little extreme, but okay. Yeah. So so then, ever since then, if he wanted to eat, he just had to say, "Food, come now!" And then the fishes would come to him, ready wow. to be caught. But he only ate recreationally, not for nutrition anymore. Exactly, and that they say that's how Lumabat became the greatest of all diwata. So actually, you know, when we cover the levels of heaven. Lumabat is the the chief peak, in peak level God. one wow. of, of the heaven. Okay. Yeah. He seems like a jerk, but okay. I know, right? Who knows? Who knows? It's like it's like you know, when people get like overweight and then suddenly they get all thin and now they're like super superior. Hello Anima. <laughs> so wait, he got the battle nut, just to clarify. The battle nut rub 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 and then they put it like shiny. Well, and then like that. Well, remember, remember the the text does say, and again, the, this is the problem with obviously, we only know the summary mm-hmm. of the of the myth, right? Yeah, it said that the the spat out battle looked very sharp. Yeah, so it's probably sharp enough to cut enough yeah. to cut into his bed. They like they rubbed it, they rubbed it, and then they cut. It. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. Misleading, no? Kalanya, no. Well, I thought it was I, I really like I was like, where is this going? Is he suddenly gonna be pregnant? I'm like, I really didn't know. He's gonna it turn was into going. a man? Was he gonna I turn into was he gonna be cut in half like a manananggal? Like I don't know where the story was gonna go. Definitely not <laughs> surgery, but okay. So those are the stories of Lumabat and Mabuyan, right? 
And they said that like it it covers obviously the origin of the underworld, mm-hmm. but it also really is a story of when men became mortal, mm-hmm. when death started to mm-hmm. exist, mm-hmm. right? And I find the imagery so like striking mm-hmm. because I think if I think about the symbolism of like the mortar sinking to the earth, etc. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of like the symbolism for burial. Yeah. Right? Or And earthquakes. Yeah. But the funny thing to me is that... Because where... where I'm sure this also exists somewhere. And maybe you can help me. But like, for me, the fact that Mebuyan is such a strong symbol of fertility mm-hmm. and nurturing. Mm-hmm. Right? It kind of kind of makes me feel like death wasn't a scary thing. And we talked about yeah. this in Sitan, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, it's just another place you go after. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like and I think was it a was it a Bilaan or a like one of the neighboring tribes, either Borneo or something, where their their god I think it was the Wamale or anyway. I'll I'll look it up. But it was a similar thing where it was a female god of the underworld. Mm-hmm. But instead of guarding the entrance of the underworld, she was like at the very end, like when mm-hmm. you finally reach a destination. But the interesting thing is, in your whole journey in the underworld, you die nine times. Yeah. And each time you die, you get younger and younger. Yeah. So yeah. then at the very end, you become a baby. And when you're a baby and you reach this goddess at the end of She'll the underworld, take care of you. you go back. It's a reincarnation yeah, story. To yeah, to the earth. Yeah. And it's the symbolism of dying nine times and yeah. like and it's so funny because the, the it seems like the mythical number in like these southern kind of cultures is nine. I think nine is a is a magical number in a lot of cultures. it's also you know, like nine is a symmetrical number. Yeah. A lot of things are divisible by nine. It's it's like really that. an extension of three. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I uh, I think the closeness of life and death and fertility and death mm, yeah. are like are like inseparable. Most people who have ever been born die from childbirth. Mm. Right. So they're like of everyone who is born in an absolute born. Mm the highest cause of death is still childbirth. But if you think about it, I find it so interesting that the myth talks about the fact that my Buyan had to take care of kids. Like, how many kids were dying? A lot of them. Right? A lot of them. Yeah, it probably means that, like, the infant survival rate was quite low at the time. But Mm -hmm. to your point, why is death, the, the god of death, also one of the most nurturing gods that they had maybe they had the god of fertility because the most people who died were babies but then it also is interesting to think about the the fact that i think they also separated the the they separated the function of fertility of like the creation of the baby of pregnancy is a separate is a is a different operation than surviving no, but she's also the goddess of harvest. Because oh. rice is her symbol. Okay. I think it has more to do with the fact that if you're seeking refuge from the earth mm-hmm. to escape the suffering of heat and whatever, and again, they're nomadic. Yeah. They couldn't, I guess they were figuring out agriculture or yeah. something, right? Yeah. 
earth gives life and it also takes away life. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the whole dust to dust type of imagery, right? Like the life and and what nurtures us comes from the earth, but we also go back to the earth. Uh Um, It's like Persephone being married to Hades. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So I think that's what that's what's so incredibly fascinating about Mibuyan because I can you recall any other god that is so closely linked with fertility and motherhood but also death not like, in any western was Demeter no no the closest is Persephone you're right yeah Persephone and Hades together mm. yeah but actually now that I think about it the death as Grim Reaper like carries a scythe which you use for harvest Harvest. yeah and you're harvesting souls yeah that's true that's true but yeah so cool that's our journey into the bagobo underworld i also think i also think about the cycle of harvest how it's such Mm. a regular cycle of planting Mm. seeds come from the Mm. harvested Mm. fruit Mm. or, or crop the seeds of the corn seed comes from that seed. Mm. It grows, you harvest it, you save some of it, you plant it again. Yeah. And it happens year on year. It's tied mm. to the earth, it's tied to the weather. And so the life of a human is mm. probably tied to that also, right? In yeah. terms of like... That's true. The babies are seeds. So for example, if they die early on, they're taking care of the same lady who's taking care of your harvest. That's true. Right? Because they were human seeds. I wonder... I guess I wasn't able to compare, but I wonder how the Kaingin culture... Slash and burn. The slash and burn culture impacted the way that they thought of yeah. harvest and cycles as well. Right? Yeah, because, because they weren't Kaingin in a permanent... Kill it. You had to kill the Oh, yeah. 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 So Kaingin, just to explain to those who aren't familiar, so what you do is you burn... So once you harvest the field you burn everything down mm-hmm. and wait for a while so that you can start yeah. planting on it again yeah and that makes it faster if i'm not mistaken yeah because something something to do with when you burn you you get rid of the unwanted plants yeah the ash itself fertilizes the soil the soil and it's sort of like easier than some some non-kaingian systems are like you have to dig up the soil altogether to get, get the rid of nutrients everything. from under yeah get well. rid of everything and then you wait also yeah. and then you plant again as, like a couple of months a couple of weeks yeah. later but kaingian makes it faster and more expeditious yeah in the long run it's not as sustainable no no it's not also lots of pollution exactly but the bad thing about kaingian system the thing about kaingian system is you can't do it all over the country yeah because and maybe that's why they do it a lot in Mindanao because of Mm. and Borneo actually Mm. because of the the consistency of weather like it doesn't there's again no typhoons and and by the way there you go again with the fire symbolism right fire is necessary to restart the cycle it's a cleansing it's a cleansing to restart the cycle yeah so so many interesting themes cool, cool. in in Bagobo. Is there a fire god? Remember, you can't say their names. <gasps> oh yeah, the four elements gods. You can't say their names. You're it's forbidden. Secret. secret. So that's one other section nice. that we can we can explore later on. But I loved being able to dive deep into the to the related myths because. Yeah. When I did the very initial research on Mibuyan, I was so dissatisfied because I oh. felt, I felt like everyone was just so focused on the whole like she has she, yeah, 
Uh, as always. God. <laughs> the title of this should be My Eyes Are Up Here. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes are up here, guys. Not all over my body. <laughs> up <God>. here. <laughs> because I, I guess, obviously, that's the most unique feature yeah. about my boy and so yeah. Interesting, I guess, for a lot of people. Yes, it's very distinct. It's very kind of yeah, visually striking. Yeah, but there's so much more. And and I, I, felt... I was thinking of a title of like a heaven mm. is in the underground or something like that. Underground heaven could be a band name. Could mm. be an album name. Yeah, yeah. Underground heaven. Heaven is a place down there. <laughs> yeah, heaven is a place under the earth. Ooh, heaven is a place under the earth. Ang hirapang. So that's my buyan. Yeah. I, the only caveat I would say is, and I say this at the end, but these are very old sources. Yeah. So, and they're white sources. Yeah. They're yeah. in 1910s. The second paper that I mentioned is from 1965. They're by an American and a Dutch person, respectively. I'm sure there are studies now from, from local scholars, but I wasn't able to access it. It's just are you a Bagobo person? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure people like. Are you Lumad? Do you know of these myths? It's interesting because there's so many interconnected and similar yes. myths around that area. Yes. Right. One of the one of the stories that was mentioned, I didn't cover it anymore. Was remember your origin of the Earth according to the Bilan? Melu with Melu and the Liba. My favorite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was also mentioned there. Awesome. Spit and Liba. Spit and Liba. Yeah. What yeah. the heck, people? But the thing, so sorry. The interesting thing about the the Melu one is, he is such an OC person. Like he he bathes all the time. Yeah. It was so important for him to be bathing. clean. Mm. Exactly. So the bathing symbolism is still there. So it's so important for Melu to be clean that it was a. If you think about it, it's a sacrifice for him to yeah. not wash himself and accumulate enough libag to create <laughs> create mankind. <laughs> Melu, Melu gave up his cleanliness yeah. for us. But the last thing I was going to say about Mebuyan and the symbolism is, so she's related with life and motherhood and nurturing, sometimes even in marriage, because this, the, mm. the the practices of the pamalugo, the, the washing and everything, is also done during during marriages. And people are saying that like, probably the reason that she's such a big factor when it comes to like motherhood, fertility, etc. is her job is not just to take care of the people under her scope, but to expand yeah, yeah, her yeah. kingdom. Yeah. Right? And that's why life and death are related because mm-hmm. she wants more people yeah. in her. She wants kingdom. to help more people because it's so hot. Yeah. She's like, come live with me where it's cool. It's nice and cool. It's a little Under dark, the but there's lots of rice and yeah. babies. I have a lemon tree. It's like a ba- you know, <laughs> a you, know you know how like you we went to a cat cafe and you went to a dog cafe. Yeah, yeah. This is I a love ba- fluffy dogs. This is a baby cafe. <laughs> oh no! Under- oh, oh no! You get to play with babies. So like a daycare. Like basically. a daycare. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my boy is just taking care of the babies. She's just like daycare until they're ready to go to their parents. Yeah. <laughs> Mebuyan daycare is the name of this episode. <laughs> so, it's been two hours, guys. Oh my goodness! We hope you're still hanging, hanging here with us. I think this is gonna end up like hour fifteen. Yeah, yeah, ish. But that's the story of Mebuyan. 
the goddess of the Bagobo underworld. And, you know, there's tons more stories and myths that the Bagobo have. They have this huge pantheon of of minor gods and major gods that they worship and you know let us know we're gonna put a poll in this episode if you are interested in hearing more about Mm -hmm. the bagobo and if you are then we'll you know we'll happy to make a part two but it's a lot i felt like i was preparing for a master's (laughs) (laughs) i read like three books and they were like 300 pages each and i was just like shane was like is this still the same episode that you're researching? I'm like, yes. It's still the same one. Oh my god. But it was so much fun. Yes. So, yeah. We hope you enjoy that. If you... I learned so much. If you are Bagobo, if yeah. you know anyone from there, if you're familiar with the Bagobo yeah. stories, like... Did we miss anything? Is there any other interesting aspect of the culture that you would want to share? We'd love to hear it. You can leave us a message. But otherwise, we'll see you in the next round. Yay! Hey, Anima. Yes? Where can they find us? They can find us at thegodsmustbecrazy.pod on Instagram and Facebook and Patreon. Yahoo! And you can listen to us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else that there is a podcast. And please support us. It would be great if you could leave us a five-star review or a rating. And, you know, if you could just share it. Share it on social media. Share Mm -hmm. it with your friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Send a link to your nerd friend who's interested about, like, death gods. Or cool friend. Or cool friend. Hey, nerds are cool. Yeah, fine. I'm a nerd. Yeah, or you could be like, hey, do you want to hear about a god that has like a lot of boobs? <laughs> and then, and then that's, that'll be their hook. And then by the time they're, they're like, by the time they're hooked, they're like, oh my God, I'm into Philippine mythology now. That's so cool. <laughs> we have a lot of new listeners actually over the past few yeah. weeks. Um, welcome. Welcome to The Gods Must Be Crazy. And let us know if there are any other topics that you want to talk about yeah. or if you want us to do a couple of deep dives as well. Yeah. We get so many great suggestions. That's true. It's so great. So just send us a message, leave us a voice message or send us a DM. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.